Here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. Just after 8 o'clock, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are back after a one-month, I guess you call it hiatus, COVID hiatus. But normally, and hopefully from here on out, we will be here live, same time, every Sunday at Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM at 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Gold Knights. We are coming to you today from Spencer's Studio in Las Vegas, located basically at the 95 and Jones Boulevard. They don't know what building Spencer, so I can give them that much information. Uh, for the past several months, we have been live at Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar, just barely down the road from Cashman Center and the Neon Boneyard. Um, and we want to thank Kickers for their hospitality for the first six months of the year. But we kept having some serious technical difficulties, Wi-Fi issues, and so now here we are until they let us back in the residential bank court Fox board studios when COVID protocol is all over with someday that'll happen. Uh, but this will be our home till then joining me on the show is social media director, Spencer, the Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Doing the show without playing his theme song. Also part of the show and social distancing back in the Fox sports residential bank corp studio. We are honored once again, to have Doug Douglas producing. Aside from a number of hats Doug wears at Lotus Broadcasting, Doug is also the press box announcer at T-Mobile Arena for all the home Vegas Golden Knights games. And uh, we'll have Doug joining us for Nightcap. Uh, so I want to see what he thinks of all the moves going on. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network. And you can watch the show on Facebook Live. The page is called Out of Line. That's O U T T A. L-I-N-E. You can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. It's at LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. Studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. On tap, brought to you by title sponsor Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you currently own, Residential Bank Corp is the company you can turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp funding America one neighborhood at a time and now offering $2,500 free as long as you qualify for any home purchase program in the state of Nevada. On tap, as of Friday, Ryan Reeves is no longer a Vegas Golden Knight. And I will say, I told you so. And if you haven't heard, Alex Tuck had shoulder surgery. You won't see him playing again for about six months. Um, fact, this is about the Olympics and a no-go and twisties. What's that mean? Stick around. Uh, since we've been gone, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Milwaukee Bucks are world champions, and football is in the air. Hell, we might even have a baseball team. We do have a baseball team. The Aviators are a AAA franchise, but we might have a major league franchise coming to Las Vegas in the not-so-distant future. Listen, that's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. And once again, Residential Bank Corp right now offering Nevada home buyers $2,500 toward closing costs for anyone and everyone who qualifies for any home financing purchase program in the state, call 702-964-5720 for details. Spence, before we get all rocking and rolling and into this, man, how you doing? It's It's been like a month. 
it's been some time. Uh, I did miss the show, but I'm, I'm very glad to be back. I'm very happy to be with you in this here studio, and uh, I'm ready to to get going. I mean, so much has happened, so much is going to happen, and you know, hopefully we can cover it all. Well, one of the things that happened is I had COVID-19. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm not hiding behind platforms. I don't want people to know, and it's such a mixed controversial thing. I was not vaccinated. Oh, okay. Um, I was not vaccinated. I got the virus um, from a friend, I believe, that came to visit me for 4th of July weekend. We traveled a little bit together during the weekend, hung out. He contacted me saying he hadn't been feeling well, went in uh, Spencer and got tested and calls me up and says, I got COVID-19. They're pretty sure it is the new Delta strain. And the reason they say that is because he was vaccinated back in like March, the beginning of March, and he still caught COVID-19. Um, he didn't have it as bad as I do. I'll give him that with the vaccine. However, he lost both sense of taste and sense of smell. I didn't lose my sense of taste. Thank God. That was the one thing I had to look forward to, man, was being able to taste ginger ale and cranberry juice because nothing else was appealing. And he also um, had it, it got into his lungs. It never got into my lungs. And again, I was unvaccinated. But once again, I'm not ranting and raving and bragging about it. I was sick as hell for four days. I don't know that death would have been worse. That's how bad that I felt. I mean, I can't even explain it to you. What I will tell you is, and I'm going to say this, I want to leave it alone. This isn't a political show. This isn't a health-related show. This is a sports show. But I will say this to everyone out there. Stop making this politics, okay? I was not infested with a virus called politics. It was called COVID-19. I don't care how the hell it got here. I don't care whether it was by a, a some type of bat in some uh, in some rural area in China. I don't care if it was invented in a laboratory by people hired by governments. I don't care. It's real. It's not a super flu. It's not a cold. This thing kicked my ass, like literally, physically, mentally, in every way possible, Spencer, it kicked my ass. I was down for four days where I couldn't get out of bed. At one point, I was in the hospital for 24 hours. Urine in my blood, the worst stomach ache I ever had in my entire life. A headache that would beat all ass. I mean, I'm telling you, this is something you don't want to get. I'm not someone to tell you to get vaccinated or not. That's something that you decide on your own, and I'm not going to criticize you either way for doing it. What I will tell you is whatever procedures or 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 changes you need to make in your life to try to avoid getting this if you haven't had it i would do it if you haven't been vaccinated and you haven't had it which means you don't have the antibodies for the original strain let alone the new strain then maybe you should consider that i'm just saying again my message don't get covid19 and quit calling it a flu or a super flu or a cold it is a wicked deadly virus that will knock you out like you've never been hit before and again some people won't some people walk away fine it's really simple but if you're one of those that don't you get symptoms like i do or worse believe me you're gonna wish you took better precautions i'm gonna leave it right there spencer crazy stuff yeah it, it the thing is is beyond anything what you believe about it is that it is dangerous so it's, it's very sad to see you know people undermine you know exactly what it is and certainly the lives that have been lost due to it it's a very serious thing and should be taken extremely serious. And, uh, you know, to just brush it under the rug and just say, it, again, that it's like the flu is a complete fallacy. It, it just is. And, uh, and well, you know, I'll get Doug's opinion on that as well in a second here. Um, but before we do that, or, or a matter of fact, uh, Doug, I don't know, can, can I hear him? I couldn't hear you in my earpiece. I think you can hear me. Can you hear me? 
I, I hear you perfectly. There's that magical voice of Doug Douglas. Doug, um, you know, how many people do you know personally besides myself that have been affected in some way by COVID-19 and not affected where it's affected their job or their income, but actually affected their health and living situation? Well, sadly, I know three people who've died. One 44-year-old, one of the strongest guys I ever knew in my life. Uh, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I take it very seriously. I'm vaccinated, fully vaccinated. I know somebody here at work, and he's made it public. Uh, he, to see him walking up and down the halls wheezing after having COVID for, this was back, I think he had it back in April, and he just, he still is wheezing and catching his breath, and he apologizes all the time. It's its not a joke, and if we want to move the economy forward, because let's be honest, some people, it doesn't affect uh, them personally, but if we want to move the economy forward, if we want to have football with people in the stands, my gosh, you know, take the measures, you know, and now I'll get off my soapbox because I agree with you. It's everybody's personal decision, but if nothing else, take the measures to protect yourself because, Brian, I know I was very scared. As you know, I texted you and I was like, I was terrified for you, man, and uh you know, it's just, it's it's not worth it. Let's do the things so that Vegas is a tourist industry. We will get absolutely hammered if we have to, you know, not allow tourists or tourists. Even more importantly, there are certain places saying don't come to Vegas. I mean, there's I think the Hawaii, uh, L.A. County are saying, you know, we advise not going to Las Vegas right now. Well, we don't need that. And if conventions pull out, we are zapped economically, too. You know, and we have been zapped, uh, zapped economically already. I have some great friends. One of my dearest friends is a very high-ranking uh, officer at MGM International. It has affected them dramatically. And what it what has happened, one of the things, you know, it's just uh, as far as like housekeeping and other things go, they let so many employees go. Employees are fearful to go back and not just because of the virus that it's a temporary thing and they want a more permanent thing. This is really clouded and screwed up everything. And like you said, take the measures. We've got to get back to normality. I know normality will be a little bit different in the future than it has been in the past. It might be what you called quote unquote, a new normal, but whatever it is, we need to get there and get there in a hurry. It's affected everything. And it's affected this show and the fact that uh, we haven't been on in a, in a minute, but it's also affected. Um, we're seeing it in the Olympics. We're seeing it sporting events, but no fans at the Olympics. It's, it's eerie. And it's, I'm going to say it, Flat out, it's aggravating, and and it's aggravating that one of the most celebrated athletes in Olympic history isn't performing. And I do believe there is a small part of that that is due to the fact there are no fans in the stands. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Right now, I want to get to something that I talked about, Spencer, emphatically on this show. Even during the Golden Knights run before they were out, I really started talking about it during the Montreal series. Then, of course, afterwards, I expressed my opinion. Um, it, it was Demond Cotton, not Doug Douglas, producing the last show, where he would have remembered this conversation with uh, Mike McKenna that I had. But the, we'll, we'll play a little piece of that. Um, but right now, let's go ahead and jump into nightcap spencer give us the intro hockey players as you know are warriors they don't give up they come to play every game it's time for nightcap a cup full of the vegas golden knights from highlights to interviews to special events the puck starts here um changes 
Change is something I say there's two constants in life. One, time will pass, and two, things will change. There's not a damn thing we can do about either one of those things. And I tell people, I tell my children all the time, that what that basically means is when things are going to hell in a handbasket in your life, um, uh, don't look for the easy way out or do something very drastic or serious. Understand that time will pass. And if you let time do its thing, whatever problems you have will somehow all get worked out and there'll be new problems as quickly as a week, two couple days down the road. And what that means is things will change. And transversely, when things are going great in your life, a lot of us tend to wait for them to change in a bad way. Like, I know things are going so good. I know this is going to collapse. I know she's going to dump me. Well, you know what? She might and they might. But why don't you enjoy them while you're going through them? Because, again, time's going to pass and things are going to change. And that is what happened with the Vegas Golden Knights. And again on Friday, one of the most popular Vegas Golden Knights, who, who um, funny enough, was booed when he was first acquired, saying that's going to change the whole dynamic of the team. He ended up becoming one of the most beloved players for the Golden Knights fans. If you're an opposing team, he wasn't one of your favorite players by any means. If he was on the ice, he was a difference maker because teams would play a little less physical and also be, be, have their head on a swivel because Ryan Reeves was that kind of an in-back player. I don't think I'm going out on a limb at all to say he is the toughest player in the NFL as far as nobody wants to fight him. I don't know if pound for pound he's the strongest. He sure has a hell of a physique and looks pretty damn strong. But the bottom line is he's always got a smile on his face when he's fighting or he's not fighting. And that smile when he looks at you on the ice with that smile, uh, you better get to your bench in a hurry or start moving away. But Ryan Reeves, no longer a Vegas Golden Knight, and this is what Kelly McCrimmon said on Vegas Golden Knight's Twitter on Friday. Completed a trade with the New York Rangers where we uh, traded Ryan Reeves to the Rangers for a third-round pick in the 2022 draft. This was the culmination of different discussions that I had with Ryan uh, over the past few days in terms of uh, what might make the most sense for him uh, in the future, what might make the most sense where we are uh, with our team and the number of forwards that we have. And uh, it had ended that uh, you know, this was, I think, a pretty good outcome. I, I believe there's a real good chance that uh, Ryan could get extended in New York for next year, which was important to him. It's important to me that he uh, has that opportunity. New York has shown a lot of interest in him for an extended period of time. And uh, we weren't comfortable that we could uh, make that move. So it was uh, pushed off, pushed off. And as time went on, um, you know, from the hockey club's uh, perspective. Uh, you know, Spencer, and uh, Doug, Doug, I'll let you chime in as well. Um, and we'll play a bit from my show back on the tw 27th of June, the last show I did before I caught COVID. Um, and uh, we'll hear what I had to say. I said, as you know, when the season ended, I said three people I was skeptical about returning. One of them still on the team, and based on what Kelly McCrimmon said in his press conference relating to questions, and you'll hear that uh, piece in a little bit, was um, Jonathan Marchessault. I love Jonathan Marksow, but I thought the way he played, especially in the early rounds of the playoffs, made him very, very marketable. Plus, he's got a high salary. I said, for sure, Marc-Andre Fleury will never play in a Vegas Golden Knights uniform again. And I said, I, I thought... Ryan Reeves wouldn't either. Confirmed, uh, I don't need the credit for it. I'm not looking for accolades or credit here. I'm just saying it made sense from a hockey and a business standpoint. Um, 
And and again, I, I got a lot of flack for that because they are such popular players. I have a Mark Andre jersey. Uh, the, the first thing I bought when they came to town after the first year it says inaugural season on. It's one of my favorite things. I will keep it forever. Maybe get it signed by him one day and put in a frame. I mean, Mark Andre Fleury is one of my favorite athletes of all time. I hated him, as you know, Spencer, when he became a Vegas Golden Knight because he. I mean, at 2008, I'll never forget what they did to my Detroit Red Wings, man, up three games to one. And Marc-Andre Fleury and a very young Sidney Crosby said no. And I hated him. And then I meet the guy in Las Vegas, get the opportunity to interview him several times. And he is one of the most humble superstars you would ever imagine. Like I said, I always feel like he should be wearing a UPS shirt. He looks like the UPS delivery boy. And yet he's one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. Did the goal he let up in game three tarnish his legacy, his career. I don't want to say that, man. How can I be such a naysayer? But yet I feel that it did. I feel that he has this unbelievable legacy, three Stanley Cups, a big part of all three of those runs, two of them directly related to him. And one of them, he led them up to the Stanley Cup finals as Murray got hurt in Pittsburgh. But the bottom line is, is that that was a gaffe that you don't make in might in bantam hockey. It happens. It, it, it's a, a, a brain fart for, for a lack of a better term right now. But the bottom line is it turned this series around. It was a 1-1 series with under a minute to go in a hockey game, and you let them tie, and then you lose in overtime. Even though the Vegas Golden Knights found a way to rebound and win game four, they never recovered from that goal mentally, physically. Now, granted, I, well, I hang this series on Fleury. If you think that, then you don't know me very well. You don't know my skill set or my knowledge. No, not at all. Guys like Mark Stone didn't show up, especially in that series against the Montreal Canadiens. You didn't see them skating with the same fervor, the same zest. They looked like a deer in headlights half the time. Game five was a complete debacle. But the bottom line is, if they win game three, I believe they win the series. I'll stick to that forever. Um, but that is not the reason Marc-Andre Fleury got traded. And we're going to you know, hear from Kelly McCrimmon in a minute. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury got traded because he's a 36-year-old going on 37-year-old goaltender. His best years, you want to say, are behind him, even though statistically he had one of the best years of his career. I'll give you all that in a shortened season. The bottom line is he's a Vezina Trophy winner at 36 years old, statistically the one of the best years. Of his career. If there's ever a time to dump him, it was right now. I just don't understand. All it was about the way they made it look was the $7 million that they will, they will alleviate themselves from the salary cap. I thought, man, trade this guy. Get something. Don't get a, a, a 23-year-old. I'm not going to say journeyman. He's been with Chicago from the beginning, but he's never played in the NHL. We don't even know who he is. I'm not even going to mention his name. It's not worth it. I don't think he'll be, you'll see him in a Vegas Golden Knights uniform. If you do, it'll be in a limited role, but it made sense for the salary cap. And it made sense right now because Marc-Andre Fleury gave himself trade value that he probably hasn't had in a couple of years because he just showed, wow, I'm still this good. My, my, the, the Vesna trophy winner. So it made sense. Ryan Reeves, you saw his playing time decrease and be, Oh, there's something wrong. He's hurt. Yeah. He was a little banged up. They all are at the end of the season and going to the postseason. Ryan Reeves wasn't playing because it was a Pete, the board, the coach's decision because they needed guys that can score goals. Ryan Reeves is not, may he rest in peace, Bob Probert. He is not Tom Wilson of the Washington Capitals. I'm talking about guys that mix it up that also put the puck in the net. 
you got to have scoring. And I don't care if it's your fourth line wingers and that's your tough line. The bottom line is, you know, you have to have guys be able to put the puck in the net and be tough. And I think the Golden Knights have found a couple of other guys like Will Carrier, who's been here since the beginning as well, that can do that, that can mix it up. Will Carrier is a tough guy. He hasn't been pushed into the Ryan Reeves role, but Will Carrier is a guy that can mix it up. And he also has soft hands. He's got a, this wraparound move that he's, he's got to find something else. But the bottom line is he can score. And I think Keegan Colasar showed us that we don't need Ryan Reeves anymore. This is a young kid that can put the net puck in the net, and he's also a guy that is going to mix it up on that fourth line. And if Thomas no, Tomas Nosek is healthy and they can ever convince him he's a big guy and he gets a little bit tougher because he's already good with scoring goals, you, Ryan Reeves is the odd man out. And he's got a chance to go to the New York Rangers and actually play for maybe two, three more years. He's in his early 30s, and the Rangers are talking about him for multi-year, which is what he wants to hear at this point in his career. Fleury, I think he will end up going to Chicago. He might end up getting redealt to Pittsburgh. That's a rumor. I know he doesn't want to one year go to the Blackhawks, a team that virtually has no chance of winning the Stanley Cup. But Fleury's competitive juices are going to be flowing. I don't think he's ready mentally to retire, and I think he wants to somehow find a way to erase that gaffe, even if it's in his own mind. Now, I have absolutely rambled on for a long time. Um, Doug, and we'll play the the piece that I had with Mike McKinnon in a minute when I was telling him, and he was pretty adamant that Marc-Andre Fleury wants to be here. He's made that clear. He's not going anywhere. And no, we need Ryan Reeves. I didn't disagree with other one of those things, but I also pointed out why they wouldn't be here. And in, in the end, I'm not an announcer for the Vegas Golden Knights, but my prediction was 100% correct. They're both not here. And out of the three people I said that would possibly and probably get moved, Jonathan Marshall, he was the one that I felt might stay because of his age, because he's still young enough to have some great years left in him. And he really played well in the earlier rounds of the playoffs. He was one of the, one of the best players on the ice, although – defensemen were the story of the of the playoffs for the, the postseason. But, Doug, your thoughts on Marc-Andre Fleury and Ryan Reeves departing? Fleury was my kid's favorite player, uh, you know, and he loved hockey because of the Knights and everything like that. It's a sad thing, and the same with Ryan Reeves. And I remember that. Yeah, I remember uh, Reeves getting booed right at the beginning. So uh, he was definitely not uh, – embraced right away but i will say this unfortunately sports is a business and talking to some people who were just how can they do this how can they do this well the 49ers got rid of joe montana peyton manning you know kind of a legend with the colts he was gone unfortunately sports as you so wisely said a while ago change is inevitable and this is what had to be done in a hopefully what will be a longer season more drawn out the two goalie tying up that much cap space was not feasible and going back to that Montreal series, it wasn't goaltending that lost them that uh, series. It was the lack of offensive production from their, you know, from their goal scorers. And they needed that. And that's where they need to, that's cost them. Remember the previous year up in the bubble and against Dallas, that was what cost them up there too. So they have to roll the dice. It's sad because Fleury was so much, you know, there was so much with that magic of the golden misfits of year one. But unfortunately, they had to make the tough decisions. And I will say this, if there were no salary cap, Fleury would still be here because uh, Foley would have paid the extra money. But, you know, it's a salary cap league. 
and it had to go that way. And it's funny, ironically, uh, you know, you you have Robin Leonard on the front page of the sports section of the Review Journal today talking about now, you know, it's his goal, which we all knew. Uh, you know, Robin Leonard really showed up against Montreal in both games, even the game they lost. I thought he played really well. And I thought against Colorado, he he looked very slow and it was just because he was cold and he got thrown to the wolves at that. And, and literally that that the first game against Colorado. But um, this is what when when asked in the press conference on Friday, Kelly McCrimmon, you know, discussed both players because of the fact, like you said, Doug, uh, your kid's favorite player, Mark Andre Fleury. I don't think um, your 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 son is alone. I think you'll find that throughout the entire Vegas Valley that Mark Andre Fleury was probably, if voted on, would be the most popular and favorite player of all Vegas Golden Knights fan. I know he will be in my mind forever uh, the face of the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, I mean, that inaugural season was magical in large part because of Marc-Andre Fleury and the unbelievable things he does between the pipes. He is magical to watch. I've always said I thought he played with the puck a little bit too much sometimes, and boy, did that come to haunt him in Game 3 of the series. But please don't let that be... You remember what you remember about Mark Andre Fleury because that is so far indicative of his career, which was filled with highlights. And the fact that he is such a humble man and a good guy, I want that to leave. And I, I hope that he does go to the Blackhawks. They dump him to Pittsburgh. Although I just can't watch Pittsburgh win another Stanley Cup. But you know what? Whatever team Mark Andre Fleury goes to, the Blackhawks, being a Detroit Red Wings fan for years, one of my most hated teams in the National Hockey League. But I ended up loving and embracing Chris Chelios when he became a Red Wing, and I ended up loving and embracing Mark Henry Fleury when he became a Vegas Golden Knight, and I wish him nothing but the best. I will follow his career till the end, and I will talk about him as far as sports radio, sports broadcasting, friendly conversations around the water cooler for the rest of my life. I, I am thrilled and honored that I got to watch Mark Andre Fleury play four years, with the, the first four years with the Vegas Golden Knights. It was really cool, but... um. You know, that's that's it. Uh, put the piece with uh, Kelly McCrimmon. Well, it's never easy. And uh, you know, both both great people that were fan favorites. And, uh, um, you know, I had good relationships with both. I uh, have a lot of respect for uh, for both players. And, uh, you know, at the same time, as I've touched on, you know, our job is to do uh, the best things we can for the organization to help our team win. I think our fans like uh, winning hockey teams. We've done a lot of that in our four-year existence in uh, in Las Vegas. We, um, you know, I think uh, do what we can to put uh, the best team on the ice, make the best decisions with our personnel. Um, you know, it, it factored into the re-signing of Alec Martinez, who has uh, taken on. Uh, a tremendous leadership role with our team since uh, since his arrival. Um, we've got a lot of good people in our dressing room, a lot of really good people in our dressing room. And, you know, I look at the quiet leadership of a Braden McNabb. You look at uh, Jonathan Marcia, so the energy that he brings to the rink every day. Neither of those players were uh, letters on our team, but they're both uh, tremendously important to our leadership group. Riley Smith, who's, uh, you know, widely respected uh, in our locker room, you know, Petrangelo, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty. I mean, I could go on and on. I think we've got a lot of really good pros uh, in our room. And I think that... Uh, I'm going to go, what does Ryan Reeves say about issue, that? That's uh, perfect. Uh, that way uh, as we head into uh, into next season. What does Ryan Reeves have to say about all that? Now, having said all that, New York 
What's good, baby? Let's go! <laughs> well, that's Ryan Reeves. Uh, positive mental attitude, PMA, and, uh, you know, Kelly McCrimmon kind of diverted the question, wanted to get off of it as quickly as possible as he starts talking about the positives. No question, Riley's Reed's um, it, it, it stock improved um, over uh, Riley Smith, I should say. His stock improved over the postseason. He played excellently, and we saw it's very cool that Smith, uh, Jonathan Marcheseau, and William Carlson are still together. They've mixed up the lines, tried a few different things, but that line still seems to be magical. But again, going back to the, and I'm going to leave this alone. We beaten this horse into the Elmer Glue Factory. Mark Stone had seven shots on goal in the entire six-game Montreal series. That's averaging barely over a shot per game for one of the league's top scorers, and it's completely unacceptable. And non-defensemen scored a total of five goals in that series. As Doug said a little bit earlier, alluded to, that was a big portion of this thing. It was the fact that our offense got, you know, granted, Pacioretty came back, you know, was hurt during the portion of the playoffs, but he played well. Mark Stone completely disappeared. I was surprised, and, and we're going to leave the Golden Knights uh, conversation with this. Um, not so much about you know Alex Tuck. No, I had no idea that his shoulder was hurt. Um, because he did play very, very well. The only thing he did was miss a lot of open nets, and and that's something that I think is his career moves forward. He will he will shore that up. But that open met net goal he missed against Colorado. They were up one nothing at the time. It would have put them up two nothing. And I'm talking about the second to last regular season game against Colorado, which would have give given them home ice advantage, but they ended up not needing it. They ended up beating Colorado anyway. So it didn't turn out to be as catastrophic as I made out earlier when I was worried Colorado with that home ice advantage was going to end up beating the Golden Knights. But um, you know, again the play of the superstars of this team other than Alex Petrangelo defensively was a real letdown. And I'll say, I'll say Martinez too, because, because he played, he played exceptional hockey. Um, Martinez, one of the best shot blockers in NFL history, in my opinion, on the defensive end, he bailed Mark Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard out a couple of times that people probably won't remember or talk about, but I do. And that's what a great defenseman does. He gets in front of shots and takes away opportunities and really, because he helps out your last, line of defense with it which is your goaltender but um it's not do not hang and, and and i know most people aren't now especially now with flurry going and that's even another positive with flurry going is people can you know now they'll start they'll completely forget about the gap and start complaining about flurry going and they forget about what happened that that ultimately in my opinion again led to the demise of the the 2021 um, Vegas Golden Knights. But again, we're going to leave that alone. And as I mentioned, I want to wrap up with the Alex Tuck deal. Alex Tuck, um, and, and before we get out of this, you'll play my piece that I talked with Mike McKenna last week, and then we'll go into fact this. But Alex Tuck, like I said, played real well, but he apparently had shoulder issues. And he, he went away for about a week. He took a vacation at the end of the season. He came back, and the shoulder was still bothering him. They went in, they did a skull, they, they, you know, they, they viewed the shoulder, did an MRI on it, and they determined that there's something wrong with it. I don't know what the exact problem is, but the Vegas Golden Knights doctors handled the surgery. It was done here in Las Vegas. The biggest surprise, I guess, is Kelly McCrimmon said it's going to be a long rehab, and Alex Tuck probably won't be seeing the ice in competition for about six months. That's a long time. We're talking, you know, we're talking a couple months into the season without Alex Tuck, and they really need him because he is a growing and budding superstar. 
radar. I said watching him this year, God, he is so fast for a guy his size that in four or five years from now, Alex Tuck, if he reaches his potential and stays healthy, will be a perennial all-star in the National Hockey League. I truly believe that. He is a great player. He just needs to finish a little better, which will come in time. As long as confidence flows, that'll flow. But before we go into fact this and you go fact this out of this, um, I said I talked to Mike McKinnon about the 627. I can't say something and not back it up. So go ahead, Spencer, play that piece, and then uh, we'll come back with fact this. Believe me, now crossing the, the half century mark, I say 37 is old, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I quit but, at 36, man. I was done. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. But the point is, he has all this credibility again after this season. He has value. Do you really not want to use that value to go out and find a great blue line score, which I believe is something they need? desperately one more or do you keep Mark Andre Fleury and let him and Leonard battle another year and not really hand the reins over to Leonard after the, the one game Leonard played against Colorado I would have said thank God we had Fleury but F Leonard just hadn't played and he was a little bit rusty we saw in a crucial game four in Montreal Leonard come through and play brilliantly and I thought he played really well in game six there's no way you pin that loss on him in any way no. shape or form but you don't use Marc-Andre Fleury right now and take this tradeability that he still has, especially now after this year, and utilize that? I just don't know where the team's going to be in their headspace of the salary cap more than anything. You know, I, I mean, you would love to have Fleury and Leonard as your goalie tandem going forward forever, I think. I mean, if you have that, like, that's a big reason why the team's there, uh, and it was a strength. Um, the schedule will be different next year heard Pete DeBoer talk about that. Hey, it's, it won't be as condensed, but you still need two goaltenders in today's NHL period to me. And, and I think that any goal, any team will look around the league and go, wow, like we wish we had that just maybe not at the salary cap total. That's what you have to look at going forward. Um, but Mark Hundry doesn't want to leave. Leonard doesn't want, they want to be here. They were great teammates. They pushed each other. Uh, and, and I think even with the Canadians, look what they have tied up in goaltending. You know, you got Jake Allen's making a good amount of money and Carey Price, like they're at 13, 14 million bucks. Like the teams that are left in the final four all spent money on goaltending, period. Uh, so wherever you're looking, if you need something, if you need to move something, I'm sure that they're going to look at every option. Uh, but man, I'd be I'd be hesitant to move goaltenders. I really would, especially like Fleury's deal has one year left on it. Um, if you can move some pieces around without having to to lose your greatest strength during the season of having two goalies that can play that push each other, uh, man, I'd be hesitant. I would not want to have to make that decision. Uh, I'd probably look at other things first, but that's also the reason why I'm in. I'm a retired goaltender and not in management, and I just talk about things because you know every time I predict, try to predict something, whether it's scores or whether it's who's a team going to get to fix it. We're never right. We just never know. But I, I'm telling you that to me, those two goaltenders, if I could run a team and have them and start from that basis of, okay, 12 million on goalies, I would take that. Um, but that's my opinion on it. And I don't know, we don't know what it's going to look like, but it would take an awful lot, I think, to be able to convince Mark Andre that Vegas is no longer the place for him. No, fair enough. And I will say, and I said it many times, out of all the people I've been blessed to meet in this profession, Marc-Andre Fleury is one of my favorite people that I've ever met. And I never thought I'd say that, being a huge Detroit Red Wing fan. Back this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. 
fact, to this point, one of the main faces of the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games has not really competed. This might be the most shocking news produced at the Olympics since the tragedy of the 1972 Olympic Games in Munich. Now, this was in no way that type of tragedy. You know, if you don't remember or you haven't heard about it during the 1972 Olympics of Munich, in the early morning of September 5th, a group of Palestinian terrorists stormed the Olympic Village apartment of the Israeli athletes, killing two and taking nine others hostages all those hostages were eventually murdered as well, and uh, it did not end well. The most tragic event ever in Olympic history. Um, I would say, I used to say the second most tragic event ever, what it wasn't, was you know Adolf Hitler walking out and not, not watching Jesse Owens receive his medals. No, man, it's now Simone Biles. Um, wow is all I can say. Um, they call them the twisties. In other sports, they call them the yips. Um, but... I think this was a culmination of a lot of things. They said this was something she was experiencing in practice. Simone Biles does suffer from depression based on a, um, some of it supposedly based on the uh, sexual abuse experienced by a coach, a gymnastic, a U.S. Olympic gymnastics coach. That story's uh, been well told in the past. But, um, you know, I think it is, Spencer, that the pressure of this young girl after what she did in Rio and then – to come to Tokyo and literally, out of if you watch three ads promoting the Tokyo Olympics, two of the three of them had Simone Biles in them. I mean, to say she was the face of the Olympics, I mean, you know, as far as American athletes went, the two that you heard the most about this year, I thought, was Katie Ledecky and, of course, Simone Biles. And as, you know, Katie Ledecky, the most celebrated Olympic swimming, female swimming swimmer ever. However, alone Biles, Simone Biles was called the GOAT. The GOAT in gymnastics in Olympic history, Spencer, to say that is a very, very strong statement considering the Olympians we've seen, female Olympians we've seen in gymnastics. I mean, dating back to the 70s and Nadia Comaneci, Romania, getting the first perfect tens ever at the Olympics. What Mary Lou Retton did at the Olympics and so many other gymnasts that I can go on and on. The GOAT, the greatest of all time, gets the yips right before or during the Olympics. It started on a vault where she was supposed to do two twists and only did one. And again, they call them the twisties. They say your body, it's all based on muscle memory. And I can see, you know, you get the yips in golf. You can't putt all of a sudden. Saw that happen to Brent, Ben Crenshaw for a number of years. You get the yips in baseball. Well, Steve Sachs showed us, and so did Chuck Knobloch. Throwing the ball to the first base can be tough from second base once in a while when you get the yips in professional sports. But getting the yips in a sport like gymnastics or maybe diving, that can end your life. I mean, with, with, with the degree of difficulty of the things that these athletes do, it's truly mesmerizing, amazing, and almost seems inhuman what they can do. And Simone Biles was as good at doing them as anyone I've ever seen in my lifetime. 
And, I, you know, the only time I'm, I, let's be honest, the only time a lot of us pay attention to the Olympics is, or gymnastics, I should say, is during the Olympics. I, I find myself still intrigued every day. Yesterday, I couldn't go to bed last night till I saw the final in match, in, um, in stroke play of the men's golf, which was incredible, won by Xander Shoffley, Xander Shoffley, Rory Sabatini shooting a 61 to finish second, although it still bothers me that he's able to compete for Slovakia. The dude's Italian. The only thing Slovakian that I'm aware of about Rory Sabatini is his second wife. Does that get you citizenship in Slovakia? But, hey, they got themselves a silver medal in men's stroke play. And then, of course, um, Pan the uh, from Chinese Taipei in a seven-player playoff that went like four extra holes before they finally eliminated. And that seven-player playoff, by the way, Spencer, included three major winners in Hideki Matsuyama. You had um, Colin uh, Morikawa, who just won the British Open, his second major, as a matter of fact. And, of course, you had uh, Rory McIlroy all in that seven-man group. And a guy, T.C. Pan, comes out of it, from which, which I thought was really, really cool because it got down to him and Morikawa. Kawa, and uh, and he beat him, and uh, and it was really a cool thing for Chinese Taipei. I'm sure to get an individual uh, bronze medal in the game of golf has to be incredible to them. Um, it's the biggest win without question of Shafley's career, but that's the impact of the Olympics. I'm watching it. I'm excited, and I got off track a little bit because we're talking about gymnastics. And Doug, I'll open it up to you over there. The Simone Biles thing. I mean, you know this. I, like I said, it is one of the most shocking stories in Olympic history, and not just in Olympic history, but in sports history. This woman was going to get five more gold medals, at least based on her events and what she's done in the past, minimally three, which was going to continue to make her the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And she gets the twisties or the yips. And, uh, you know, I, I, in no way, shape, or form would I ever rip on a new one. That's what I'm doing, not what I'm doing. I, I know she's not making this up. It got into her head. But how shocked were you when you heard Simone Biles, the face of the 2020 Olympic Games, isn't going to be competing? Yeah, I was stunned when, uh, and it went on. You know, it was one day, first of all, playing on one thing, and then it went on. But I guarantee you this, of all the fans and all the people out there, the person most disappointed is her. And so, you know, you have to back off when it comes to that. She has worked so hard, basically all her life, let's be honest. And as disappointed as people are, she has got to be, this has just got to be tearing her apart. So I just feel for her. And, you know, it's just a sad situation that is, been magnified by some really ignorant statements by some people. I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And, and that's why I wanted to make it very clear. No way am I ripping on her or even laughing about the situation. It's tragic. I mean, and the cool thing is, you know, she could have run away and hid. Instead, there's nobody encouraging her teammates more. She opened the door for her teammate and one of her best friends to win the overall, um, you know, the, the, to win the competition uh, the, as the overall gymnast, which was awesome. Was uh, Sunyi, I mean, that was really cool. But it just, it, it, it really leaves these games a little bit empty because I think all of us were anticipating what Simone Biles was, was going to give us this year and especially in the wake of everything going on but as I mentioned I blame if, if I blame anything you know obviously some of her past that has caused some of these depression issues but I blame not the Olympics for promoting her you have to promote your stars and I mean Simone Biles is the face of the U.S. Olympic team along with like I said maybe Katie Ledecky but you, you have to promote that so you can't blame the promotion and the media for doing their job but it's the pandemic I blame 
I think without the fans, without the support of her parents there, she's very close to her parents. They're at every event. And for them not to be able to be there to support her and not have the fans, I think really the fans juice you up and you're looking around. It's almost like you're at practice. And again, I don't know. There's no way I can get in the head of Simone Biles, but I think those things help trigger a greater depression and help trigger what we saw happen. So again, this pandemic rears its ugly head in another area of the Olympics. And again, it's it's really tough for me not to see fans of the Olympics, I mean, especially the soccer games. I mean, Olympic soccer is just huge and playing in empty stadiums. It's I, I'm still watching it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my own personal enjoyment out of it, Spencer, Doug, but it's really, really difficult for me to do uh, being that uh, there's no fans. And, and again, you know, so I, I kind of, like I said, I kind of push it off on, on them a little bit around the pandemic a little bit as part of the problem of, of this. This is the part of part of the problem of everything in the life we're living right now. Um, that aside, uh, you know, the Olympics, which uh, continue to go on, the United States leading the medal count. But, um, you know, uh, they're not leading. Uh, they're leading the medal count. I had it over here in paper. I want to see what it was. I think it was like 50, 52 medals. But um, they're not leading the gold medal count. China actually has. 22 medals, but there are just some sports that they just dominate in. I mean, I'm watching table tennis, and I almost can't even see the ball going back and forth. They are so ridiculous good. I used to pride myself. I'm pretty good at ping pong. I mean, the bottom line is I, I wouldn't even be allowed to clean their paddles. I mean, these guys are ridiculous, and the Chinese really have a great team in some sports they specialize in. So it is cool. I love Olympic competition. I'll never get bored of it. People like, oh, my God, dude, how do you watch this? I just do. I think it's great. Some great stories. It was a tremendous story about an Austrian bike rider. This, uh, this, um, one guy, I can't remember his name and I meant to talk about him, but you can maybe look it up. Spencer, tell me who he was. He, nobody even knew him. He was the only bike rider from Austria in the race and he ends up winning it going away. He got about 10 minutes ahead of the Peloton and the, 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 which is the, the chase group. And they just couldn't catch him. They let him get too far front. He'd never lost it. Nobody even heard of him. The, the person that was doing the commentating for the Olympic bike racing said it is the greatest upset in cycling history. And again, what kind of statement is that from a professional bike rider to say the greatest upset? You know how big this and again, I don't follow it enough to where I can speak on it at you know, you know, like like knowing what I'm talking about. But what I can say is when you hear that and you think of how great and how long of a history cycling bicycle racing has with the Tour de France, which is, you know, it's like the World Series. I mean, everyone's heard of it. And to say it's the greatest upset of all time, I can imagine what this must mean for him and the country of Austria to get that gold medal. It's huge. And you hear stories like that all the time in the Olympics. And that's why I love Olympic competition, Spencer. I, and I and I'm, I, I like that they have professional athletes in Olympic competition because you want the best of the the best. Now, you're not going to get the best American baseball team out there because it's in the middle of their season. But then again, the WNBA stops their season to let their players go and play in the Olympics. And pretty cool, too. Las Vegas Aces, Chelsea Plum and Jackie Young uh, were part of the gold medal team in the three by three. Jackie Young uh, got in because um, some another another girl was unable to play. And so she got in for that reason. But it was pretty cool watching them and saying, hey, there's two Las Vegas Aces out there. So that was really cool. Uh, real quickly, we've got a few more minutes. And I did want to say since the last show, since it's been a month, Spence, um, since the last show, the Tampa Bay Lightning 
became back-to-back Stanley Cup champion winners because the last show they were still in the Stanley Cup finals, although we kind of saw the way that was going. And the Milwaukee Bucks, second championship in history, first since since they had the big O and they had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar back in 1971. And pretty cool to see the Bucks win. But, you know, to me, the biggest tragedy of the NBA and, and stuff, and, and, you know, I just got in an argument with my friend over this, it was Chris Paul. I mean, this dude, people are saying, you know, he's one of the greatest point guards of all time. I saw a couple moves that he made in the NBA playoffs. This one where he went to pay, like he faked a pass by pushing the ball above. Uh, go back and watch it. it, it it's, a, it's a highlight that if you haven't seen it, it's incredible. And it's just a real simple thing, but it just shows how incredibly gifted and talented Chris Paul is. And yet Spencer, he disappeared in the NBA finals against Milwaukee Bucks, the best road team in basketball this year. Phoenix, a great opportunity to win the NBA finals, especially with Giannis, even though the knee ended up not being as hurt as we thought it was when he initially hurt himself in the series prior to the NBA Finals. But again, Phoenix just laid an egg. They had every opportunity to win this, and it was Chris Paul's opportunity to cement himself as one of the all-time greats, and to me, he didn't do it. It was This was, Phoenix did come out of nowhere, not the beginning of the season, if he says, oh, the Suns lost in the NBA Finals, I think a lot of people would have taken that if you were a Phoenix Suns fan. But in retrospect, Phoenix just, you know, they played the first two games, they won the first, and then they just kind of went to sleep. You know, they, they lost a close game in game three in Milwaukee, and they kind of never recovered from that game. And really, I pin a lot of it on Chris Paul. I mean, granted, they lost their one of their two big men, and people didn't realize what a complimentary he is to DeAndre Ayton, and he was. But you know, the bottom line is he didn't show up. I mean, the, the, some of those games wouldn't even been games if it wasn't for Devin Booker, who was the best player for the Phoenix Suns by far. And what the hell happened to Chris Paul? Uh, well, here's the thing. Uh, I was rooting for Chris Paul. I think like everybody else was in the league, you know, certainly in the finals as well. And, you know, not playing well in the finals is one thing. But I'll tell you what, he lost my respect. And it was for one specific reason. Uh, Scott Foster obviously was the referee of one of those games. And, you know, they brought up to Chris Paul, like every time you've been in the last like 11 games, you've lost every time Scott Foster has officiated. The correct answer to say something like that is like when you're the leader of the team is I don't care about that kind of stuff. Who cares? I mean, it went back years and years and years, uh, like, well, even before, like when he's on the thunder and even before that. You're supposed to say, I don't care. I'm here to win the game. This is our game plan. He said, no, like, wow, look at this. Look at this trend. I mean, what am I supposed to do? I can't imagine that doesn't affect your basketball team. And the fact that you're giving yourself excuses, you're setting yourself up for failure, which I think he did. And I mean, in reality, all those turnovers he had in the last two minutes of a couple of those games could have changed the entire NBA final. So instead of blaming Scott Foster, he should have, you know, looked internally and tried to really figure things out. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Spencer. I, I Shocking, disappointing, but that does add a little bit of light to possibly why we saw what we saw. But, hey, congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. I will not say Giannis is the best player in the NBA. I don't care if he's won two MVPs in the NBA. you got to shoot free throws to be the best player in the NBA. And when you can't make free throws, especially at crucial times, sorry, bro, you are not the best player in the NBA. Although, Milwaukee, you are the best team in the NBA in 2021. I'll give you that. Congratulations. But Giannis, someone teach him how to shoot free throws. No one ever said Shaq was the best player in the NBA. No one's ever going to say Giannis is either until the guy starts hitting from the charity stripe. And it's called that for a reason. Listen, we're almost out of time. Again, Tampa Bay, it's real simple. 
Kucherov came back in time and didn't miss a beat from missing an entire season from an Achilles injury. And of course, uh, you, you know, they, they've got the best goaltender playing in hockey right now. And Stamkos and, and Kucherov, man, almost an unbeatable line. Congratulations to them. Real quickly, the Aces, uh, today there will be their game four of a 12-game homestand. They've lost three in a row. Get out there. If you haven't been out to the Las Vegas ballpark, man, is one of the best afternoons, especially right now. It's cooled down a bit the last couple days. Get out there and see them play. They'll be playing Tacoma for uh, three more games, and then the Salt Lake Bees come to town on Thursday for six games. Great opportunity. And speaking of that, as we run out of time, Doug, 30 seconds. Oakland A's, will they be in Las Vegas? They won't, but we do have breaking news I want to come in on. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has informed the Blackhawks that he intends to play this upcoming season. The Blackhawks just tweeted out a flower, so it looks like he will be with Chicago this upcoming season. I don't think the A's will play here. Interesting and interesting about Flurry, but I did say earlier, yeah, he's going to play. The competitive juices aren't going to keep him out of the National Hockey League, even if he ends up with the worst team in the league. He wants to be on the ice, and I love that about Mark Andre Flurry. Hey, listen, we're out of time. This is out of line. We are here every Sunday, same time, eight to nine. I'm Brian Feldman, along with our social media director and the only guy with his own theme song in the Las Vegas radio, Spencer the Wiz Avstrowski, and of course, back in studio, producer, everything extraordinary. Press box announcer at T-Mobile Arena for the Vegas Golden Knights, Doug Douglas, the honor of producing our show. Doug, always great having you on the show, and thank you so much. I'll, I'll see, see you again, again next week. week. We'll be back. Provided, hey, I've, I've already had COVID. Spencer hasn't, but we'll be back next week. God willing, we'll see you then. Bye-bye.